This episode of Guitar Radio Show is brought to you by Nico's USA Pickups. The quintessential pickup is finally here to capture the essence of the best vintage and modern tones on the planet. We all know there are certain periods that have captivated guitar players because of their cherished tones. Nico's USA pickups are handmade and designed to deliver just what you're looking for. Made in America, incorporating period-specific materials for the most discerning guitarist. The tone will easily captivate your ears with an amazing balance of highs, mids, and bass response, yielding unprecedented sound and feel. Authentic tones from authentic materials, handcrafted in the USA, Nico's USA Pickups. Go to nicosusapickups.com for more information. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 87 of Guitar Radio Show. You know, it's a show dedicated to guitar. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Dedicated to guitar player, guitar builder, gear maker, and purveyors of such items that you may not know about, but you should. I'm your host, Mark Davin, and on episode 87, we've got a blues great, Mr. Joe Lewis Walker joins us today. Folks, go to joelewiswalker.com for more information. He is a road dog. That guy is always out there. Um, we were lucky enough to catch him uh, in the middle of uh, a tour. He's always in the middle of a tour, though. If he's not recording, he's touring. That's the deal. Um, and uh, the recording is not the best at first, and then it gets a lot better as we go. We tweaked as much as we could, but uh, you know that's phone lines sometimes. They're not always your friend. But um, so bear with that for a couple of minutes. You're going to get into there, and then it's going to be some great information from Joe. Um, I love his uh, his attitude and his uh, his approach uh, and attitude towards guitars themselves. Uh, I had mentioned that I don't think I've ever seen him with the same guitar twice, <laughs> and he he really is just a it's it looks he looks at it as their tools, you know. Not like like me, who's just this like addict over over instruments. Um, so it was pretty refreshing, and uh, really great perspective on music and the music business and uh, and guitar. I think you're really going to enjoy it, folks. Go to guitarradioshow.com for all sorts of information there. Check out Adam's blogs uh, on there as well. Adam P Hunt, 500 words with Adam P Hunt. And uh, we've got a whole bunch of more stuff coming your way really soon. Got some more giveaways coming soon. Pretty excited about that. And um, let's see what else. That's about it. Why don't, why don't we just hear some excerpts? Uh, this is a nice cross section of some Joe Lewis Walker music that I really dig, and uh, as well as his his latest record as well. Check it out.
right, folks, we have on the phone with us right now, we have Mr. Joe Lewis Walker. How are you, Joe? I'm doing good. Doing good. How are you? All right, man. I'm glad to have you on the show. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I, I I love the way you play. I'm I um I'm always fascinated when I hear a player who can weave in and out of styles within a genre. And you're one of those guys. You're one of those guys that can do that. You 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 can play. You know, with with a with a Chicago vibe, a Texas vibe, a Memphis funk blues vibe. And it's all it's all still the blues, but you're you're weaving in and out of those areas and I always dig the way I dig that. Thank you. Um so one of the things I like to always talk about is is origins and where you came from and I know you were born in, in San Francisco. How much how much of a um how much of an influence living in San Francisco or growing up in San Francisco was that on your playing? Well, I, I think um, later on, uh, because my father raised me, you know, my father's from Cleveland, Mississippi, so he raised me on a diet of the music he was growing up on, and um, he would play his music, and uh, being a youngest of the litter, I mean, I had five brothers and sisters, you know, uh, combined, two and five of us all together, and um, I, I listen to all their music, and I listen to a steady diet of B.B. King from my mother's side, being from Little Rock, Arkansas. So I got to hear all this stuff. So I started early, you know. I started playing early, and uh, you know, I'm trolling my dad's record collection because that was, for some reason, what he was listening to was what I, I liked. You know, I liked the guys that he grew up going to see, cheap joints and stuff, the Holland Wolf and them, all those cats. You go see those guys. And, you know, he'd see him out in the fields, you know. Hmm. <laughs> so, he was like, you know, he, my dad was like, well, why does anybody want to be a blues player? I know he's a child. <laughs> they ain't making any more money than me. And then when he, when they started, he started hearing, you know, all those guys moving down up north, Chicago and West Coast. So, it was like, it was a real, it was a reputable thing to do, you know. And so, when I took him out to it, uh, he was proud, you know, uh, but he always told me I wasn't playing it right. <laughs> so, you know, did you did you know early on, you said, wow, this is what I want to do? Yeah. It wasn't necessarily the guitar. I mean, I tried the accordion. I tried the violin. Um, I didn't mess with the piano because when I went to school where you could, you're, you're, you know, like you had a library card, you could have, use that particular car. And, and, and also check out an instrument if you had, you know, um, sort of not audition, but went in and, uh, you know, talked to the, to the, I went to a Catholic school for six years, and you talked to the, the music teacher and convinced them that you were serious, um, then they would let your, your mom and dad sign for you take a look at that instrument. Mm-hmm. So I started with the accordion and went to the violin, and um, by that time, uh, I'm not my mom moved, uh, we moved to Fillmore District. Uh, we, when we moved to Fillmore District, the whole world opened up. I mean, we, even though we moved, we were in the council housing the projects, it was, um, you know, parents breaking up and stuff like that. But it was uh, cool because all my cousins um, live over on that side of town, you know. And um, I started going to high school. And, uh, Benjamin Franklin worked for about the block from the Fillmore Auditorium. So I started you know, hanging out with my cousins, and all four of them played their, their family band. And so I started, uh, you know, 
and equipment and stuff like that, hanging out with them. And um, I got a little, got a little, uh, little taste of really, really playing because they were playing all the little dances and at the high junior high school we went to and we played for the Elks and different clubs like that, VFW and, and for uh, um, NCO clubs, you know, mm-hmm. um, and for, for armed services. And we got to be pretty good, actually. One of my cousins left. And when he left, I took his place. He left and went with, uh, he was playing with Freddie Stewart, uh, last Stone's brother, because we all lived in the same neighborhood. And they had a group called Freddie and the Stone Souls, which Sly just came and took that whole group, minus my cousin, because my cousin went to Vietnam, so they went and got their, their cousin, uh, Larry Graham, to play bass. So um, it, was, it was a lot of that. But um, when I was 16, I left home and I was answering the, answering the paper for a lead guitar player because I could play lead guitar. A lot of guys couldn't, you know, because of my dad's record selection. I could play like people and I could play like a lot of people. But um, when I was, my phone was 16 on, I was out, you know, out there trying to play um, with psychedelic bands and blues bands and soul bands, gospel bands, <laughs> you know. Um, and I guess the one thing that I learned how to do was play rhythm guitar. A lot of guys wanted to play lead guitar and didn't have a lot of, you know, experience playing rhythm. If they did, they could just play a Chuck Berry style or something like that. They didn't have a lot of um, uh, 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 interest in playing rhythm guitar. Um, not knowing that the lead guitar comes out of the, if you play a chord, the notes that you're picking, sometimes, you know, the, the notes relating to that chord or some uh, chord that's relative to it. So, well, make a long story short, um, I got to be pretty good with that and playing with a lot of psychedelic bands. And, uh, that's when psychedelic music was, was sort of really hitting. But I also played with a lot of sort of jazz fusion bands when they had that moniker. Um, so I, I was sort of all over the place, you know. I was about 18, um, um, I was with a great keyboard player named Johnny Kramer and his cousin, this guy named Gary Goldberg. And, um, I met Mike Boomfield and then, um, Mike, uh, me and Johnny started a band, and then Mike moved in our house, in fact, because him and Johnny were very tight. And then I went to Canada and came back, and I moved in the house with Michael, God, our famous house on Carmelita Street. And um, I got to be a very listening member of the family, you know, you know Mike's mother, and, you know, his niece, people like that. And, you know, Bloomfield was probably the first big uh, um, guitar hero that I knew of. You know, I mean, Betty Guy was big, but not on the scale that Michael was. And um, I think that uh, just, you know, seeing what, what, what transpired with Michael and, and meeting a whole lot of other people who later went on to become very, very well-known mm-hmm. through Michael and Buddy Miles, I got to know a hell of a lot of people and fly in my area I came from. So I'm one of those guys where, you know, getting back to the statement you made about you know, me playing in, in, in different different uh, genres. Well, I'm one of those guys where I would ask somebody to show me something. Mm-hmm. I would ask friends to, to show me one of those 3,000 chords that he knew. You know, I would ask Lowe Fulton to show me the chords to tramp. You know, I mean, I'd ask Neil Brown to show me some of the chords he played on Bobby Blair. And that's the same with anybody I ever met. I would ask him to show me. You know, I, then, then I, I think that opening up for a lot of old blues guys uh, like Fred McDowell and Allen and stuff like that enlightening them you know, I got to be able to to see that style and, and opening up for people like Freddie King and Nelly Sam I got to see that style 
you know, and, and, and you know, so, so I always thought I'm very glad I was born where I, where I was born because not only was the music so varied, but the shows were. I mean, you could go to Fillmore Auditorium and see The Grateful Dead, Ornette Coleman, and Albert King. Or you could see Manita De Plata, um, Charles Lloyd, and the Quicksilver Messenger Service. Or you could see Highland Wolf, um, the Southwood Campbell, <laughs> and, and the Butterfield Blues Band. You know, so you're going to get a taste of everything. Right. And that's, well, I was glad I grew up on that. And that sort of formulated the way I look at music and the way I play music. Well, you know, it's funny too, and, it, and that totally makes sense now. You know, you you explaining it that way, it totally makes sense. So, yeah, you know, what's interesting is not a lot of people would would have the the mind to to say, "Hey, show me this, stop and show." Because most people, they get their, you know, they kind of like, "Well, I got to know my, I already, I should already know my stuff, or I already know my stuff, or I, I you know, I'm not going to ask them to show me something." For you to do that. I think that shows, I don't know, courage in a lot of ways, and also the the willingness to to adapt and learn. Yeah, and, and, you know, people sort of, you know, I think people sort of like it when you, you know, you you um, give them respect for something that they come up with, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I learned a lot of stuff, you know, from guys so called sidemen who weren't really sidemen. They were like, you know, the guys we hear on records. I learned a lot of stuff from Mike Turner, from Jimmy Rogers, to, mm-hmm. you know, played with Muddy, from Mel Brown, who played with Bobby Bland. From I learned a lot of stuff from uh, Luther Tucker, uh, from Matt and Guitar Murphy. I mean, these guys, Wayne Bennett, these guys played on millions of sellings. <laughs> you know, the stuff that they played on is, is the stuff we hear every day. Right. You know? <clears throat> yeah. That is true. And and you now you you've got over twenty five albums recorded in your career, right? Right. And you've been nominated fifty two times for the Blues Music Awards. Something like that. Something like that. And in two thousand thirteen, you were inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame. What was that like? Well, like I say, it was very it was a real humbling experience, sort of bittersweet, you know, because. A lot of the guys, just like me, you were just talking about a minute ago, the guys that taught me, I mean, Earl Hooker, I played with Earl Hooker, you know, Earl was a big influence on me. Yeah. You know, uh, Mike Bloomfield, they got in the Hall of Fame like the year before me. I think Earl got in the same time that I did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sort of like, to me, something's wrong with that picture. Yeah. But, you know, I, I know, I think I know why they did uh, award me in the Hall of Fame. It wasn't because of the amount of records that I sold, but because it, when I came back to playing blues in the, in the early 80s, um, I, I sort of played it my way, you know, and, and um, I think it, it sort of opened up for a lot of other people now, you know, that in the 80s, when I came out, Stevie Ray, Robert Craig, Thunderbirds, a lot of other people, Otis Clay, people like that, everybody was doing something different with the blues. Right. So they were doing something different. It wasn't a cookie cutter thing, and it wasn't um, it wasn't that easy to do, <laughs> you know, because you had to sort of reeducate people's minds and and you know say, hey, yeah, the, this is cool. You know, the blue the blueprint that Muddy Waters did was cool, you know. Mm-hmm. But this is my way. I'm, I'm showing you my take on doing it, you know. And, and I, I think that one big part of it was that. 
all the people that I named, most of them came out playing original material, you know? So you had to meet them with their music halfway, you know? But then the artists have to sort of convince somebody, well, you know, here, you've heard Dust My Bloom 16,352 times, you know? <laughs> Just listen to me do my new song once. <laughs> you know, if you give me that opportunity, I, I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. Right. You know, and, and, and you know, everybody is not going to get it, and that's okay. But it's like Willie Dixon told me, he says, you know, Joe, you doing a, a bad version of you is better than you doing a good version of somebody else. <laughs> and I always live by that. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That is words to live by, without a doubt. Um, you know, something you said earlier kind of struck me was that you, you said that you were happy you were born when you were born and came up when you came up because of what you got to see and and how and how how rich and 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 full of life the music scene was especially in the Fillmore district um, and in New York City and in Chicago um, do you think we'll ever see something like that again not with the uniqueness I mean, when, when you think about it, just think like this. Who do you have nowadays, you know, in, 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 in popular music that would run the gamut from Jimi Hendrix to Jesse Colignano? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. From, from Van Morrison to the Beatles to Smokey Robinson to David Ruffin and Temptations to Rita, I mean, to Janet Japanetta. Jan- Who would you have today? Who mm. could you even remotely name? that not to even get into stuff like Bob Dylan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, who would you have today remotely that would take an instrument and go do it organically and go out and, and, and beat the bushes like that, go out and convince people to be laughed at? Um, I think all those people I named, the one thing that they had in common with, they were all turned down by record companies. Yeah. You know, and so now you have a record company. Um, you, you have a a, a a record company incubator with, with shows that, that supposedly have the next rising star. You know, well, I, I love the people make you a star. <laughs> I didn't know a show could make you a star, but I guess it can. <laughs> yeah, they slap a number on their chest and they go up there and they sing. <laughs> yeah, I always tell my 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 my, my daughter she's. Things and plays keyboards. And she's doing her own music, and you know, and looking at, at, at you know some of the shows that are on TV. Um, I mean, and and, and and I say, you know, you know, any, anybody can take a, a voice lesson. Anybody can take a guitar lesson. Anybody can come on TV and sing a song that that sort of okay. You know, somebody else's song that was a hit. Blah blah blah. But can anybody get up and, and take the guitar and, and 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 their voice and and play in front of some people that have never heard the kind of music that they play in, mm-hmm. or that said that the kind of music they play in is wrong or bad, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, and be turned down and vilified and booed and run off and then come back and be you know the toast of the town? Can you know it's it's real easy to do this when everything's going right. Yeah. You know, it's real easy to do it. It's when it goes wrong. Yeah, it's it's a, it's about how you're going to bounce back when it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, your last record, which which is your last record with Alligator Records, uh, Hornet's Nest. Um, 
that's one of those records also that kind of, like I said, weaves in and out of styles within the within the genre. Um, there's a track on there called called Soul City that it really g- grabs me. The tone on there, the guitar tone on there, is one of those tones that it's a, it's something that I've been chasing my whole life. What what was that all about? What what talk to me about the tone of that, especially the lead Soul guitar City. tone. Soul City, yeah. Oh well, actually, um, I hope I don't want to disappoint you, but it's one of those things where, um, you know, Tom Ambridge, the producer, uh, we work with uh, an engineer that that does the guitar parts. You know, me and this guy, we get all engineer, and and so when I just go to the studio, he's got like six or seven. Guitars, like a heavy metal guitar, you know, with the with the Floyd Rose, you can dive bomb. He's got a fifty something Gibson, he's got a fifty something Strat. Then I bring my stuff, and then you know I just take the guitar for a song like that that can take the most punishment if I can get it, and that's what I did with that guitar. I never played it. Before. Well, I think I did. I played it on a song called Hellfire because the guitar just was like Hellfire, you know, and I just played it again on Soul City. Because it was like a Charvel, some of the funny headstock, I don't know. But the thing, you know, when you just want to try to get sounds, you know, right. you play some of you try to get some crazy ass sounds that you can get, you know, sort of quoting Jimmy or something like that, you know. Um, and and it's fun, you know, it's fun. And playing it because, you know, a lot of guys say, well, I don't want to play that kind of guitar, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, the guitar is just like, it's a piece of wood and some strings, but you know it's like a painted paint, paint. You know, you, you use guitar and you you use it to paint the song. For me, you know, um, I, I I got nothing against guys that play one guitar all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that are known for that tone. Albert King, PB, uh, you know, cats like that. You know, uh, even Stevie Ray, he's really known for Strat, but he got also you know, Robert Craig, guys like that, Jimmy Vaughn. But I, I I sort of like to use a guitar. As a, a, as a tool for emotion, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So where it's, it's just, you know, like all, all different colors bring out different emotions. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, music is colors, you know, it, it's colors and numbers. And if you can um, get the colors and numbers to reach a bunch of people, then you've done your job, mm-hmm. you know, and the guitar has to. Well, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I know Les Paul used to say that, too. He would he would say all the time, he goes, these are tools. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I get you. I get you. So, so do you? Do you have a favorite guitar? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody pointed out something to me. I, 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 one of my friends, and he said, "You know, Joe, I've looked at twenty album covers, and you got twenty different guitars." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said, "Well, that's uh, I said, and all the songs are a lot of them are in different keys too. <laughs> Well, that's true. That's true. They're like people. They're all different. I totally agree with you. I totally and, and agree. When you, get, when you get somebody else's, when you get a vintage guitar that's got somebody else's blood, sweat, and tears in it, you know, I mean, you're going to get some other stuff because they channel and through that instrument, you know? Absolutely. I totally agree with you. There's, I always say, like, I, I, that's why I really like pawn shop guitars. I like to go to pawn shops and, and check them out because there's songs in there. 
you know. Um, that's fascinating. I, I think that's really great that you have that attitude about it. But, yeah, it's funny because I was watching video of you, a lot of video of you, when I knew I was getting ready to do this interview with you. I was like, oh, I want to go check out some more video, you know. And, yeah, you're not playing the same guitar anywhere. Alligator, and now you're 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 joining up with who now? Mascot is it? Yeah, Mascot Provoke. Cool, and 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 you you're working on a new album now. Are you working on tunes, or are you already recording? Two albums. Working on two albums. Two Two albums. albums. A soul and a a blues, uh, a sort of rock and blues record. Cool. And when will we see that stuff? I think you see the blues record uh, before this year, huh? Before the year is out, fantastic. Oh yeah, cool. Um, what what do you see for the future for you? Well, I, I'm feeling real positive about my relationship again with the mascot Provo, and um, I got a great band. Uh, got Lenny Bradford on bass and vocals. A guy who played with Bo Diddy and Kenny Haynes. He played with Diddy and the Blue Blues. I got Byron Cage, a kid on drums. He played several years with Tommy Casco. And I got a, a secret weapon, a young guy named Philip Young. He's a choir master, but he played organ. He played keyboard, saxophone, sing. I mean, the guy's just a, uh, I don't think it's too much he can't play except the guitar. And I'm glad he can't. So you guys, you guys are going to be torn the rest of this year, or are you going to be? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're we're going uh, we're going to Spain in about a week and a half, cool, a couple of weeks, um, uh, and then we come home for a few days and do some festivals, and go back to Spain and Holland and Belgium. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, then we come back and we're we're going on a tour of uh, the Midwest and West Coast. And come back around after the Pacific Northwest and work our way back to uh, blah 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 to the East Coast and um, be home for a couple of days and go up to Canada, come back for a few days, and then from there fly to Finland, 
for a while or from Finland fly to the Netherlands again. Damn. There come on and drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, many, how many dates a year do you do, you figure? Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't keep track of it. It can be from 250 or more. Right. Less. So you are a road dog. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it. You know, I mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, I'm not so crazy about the traveling now with the with the all the restrictions with flying, but it's necessary evil. Yeah. Do you do you find the uh the audiences uh in in Europe are different than the than the audiences here? Well, I tell people like this. This is my standard answer. I think in the United States uh, the music hits people in the gut, you know. Mm-hmm. So you get people, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. You know, you get people sort of boisterous in the music, feeling the music going straight direct. I think in Europe, in certain parts, especially France, different places, that the music hits them in the head. So they, they so they, they dissect the music and, and they they ingest it through their brains and into where they have to, they, they can, you know, uh, uh, take it apart, put it back together, and then they ask you how you put it together and take it apart. And then, you know, then it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but... I think the, the 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 major point is that everybody likes it sort of differently, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 that to me is is um, you know I remember the first time I went to Japan thirty years ago, um, we were playing and, and nobody clapped. First song, nobody clapped. Second song, nobody clapped. I'm what what's wrong? What do we do wrong? Said, no, no, no. They considered them polite to clap during the show. <laughs> they in the club and we're at. They told them don't clap until the end of the show. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I've changed now, but I mean that—that's a true story. You know, so you, 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 what I do, my trick is I look at the person that's having the most fun, right. and I zero in on them. Right. <laughs> I do not zero in on the person that looked like they lost their puppy. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to go where the party is. Well, yeah, I want to go where the energy's coming from. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Because then you then you can create a fire from there. Well, Joe, I got to tell you, it is an honor to talk to somebody who is the real deal. Um, thank you. Uh, and I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. Anytime. Folks, you can go to JoeLewisWalker.com to learn all about Joe and also check out, uh, you can sign up for his newsletter there and also all the tour dates, and there's a lot of them. Dang. You are one busy man. I'm looking at all these dates. Holy cow. And you can also go and check out his records. You can you can get his records on Amazon, iTunes, wherever records are sold. So go and do it because it will be good for you to do that. Be good for you. Joe, thanks again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks again for having me. Man. All right, man. Hold, hold on one second. We're going to sign off right here. Well, there you have it. Thank you, Mr. Walker, for being on this show. That was super cool. Uh, It was great to talk to him. Folks, we're going to get out of here, but don't forget Guitar Radio Show at gmail.com for all of your questions. And uh, we thank you for all the feedback that we've been getting from all over the planet Um, and everybody who's been listening. It's amazing uh, to know that there are people who are Willing to take out some time in their busy schedule to listen to this show. It is thrilling. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, 
want to say thank you again to uh, Nico's USA Pickups for being a sponsor for the last three months on this show. Uh, it has been a wonderful uh, uh, engagement and uh, arrangement, and it's been great having you. And I hope you come back again real soon. Folks, go to nicosusapickups.com to check out their stuff. Super cool. Uh, we got to get out of here, but in the meantime, take care of each other, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you on the next episode of Guitar Radio Show. Peace. Everybody say, you, Ed. I like this crowd already. Production.